Welcome back everyone, Corey here, and this is part two of the round taper discussion. Once again, if you wouldn't mind leaving a rating on whatever platform you're listening to, please, that is helping us out for our reach. Enjoy your day and try fire. As he gets done with his rifle, the guy that was running the timer or whatever, he would have the roll of tape on him. So he would go over and score the paper for him and then meet the tablet guy halfway. Yeah. So. Yeah, at the at the dump box to clear the rifle. Yeah, yep. we, we did that some of the time. We weren't really organized enough, and I was bouncing around a little bit too. Uh, you had a lot of babysit that day. So, on a side note, I get it. Uh, on a side note, with regards to that, I shot a match recently in southern Idaho where that happened. There's a you abandon your rifle and continue on, and other people in the mm -hmm. squad clear, clear your rifle for you before or while you're still shooting. Mm -hmm. And it's related to the tan LMT, so it was there in its current rendition with the LCAN and all that sort of stuff. And there was a uh, one bro guy who had a nice setup himself, and uh, he ended up picking up my LMT. And instead of just everything else that he did with everyone else's rifles, which is just clear it and go put it back on the gun rack, he spent a couple extra seconds checking it out. Evidently, a friend of mine said that he did that, and then this guy's friend who was checking out my rifle, they said, "Hey, you weren't just clearing it; you were." Checking it yeah. out a bit. So, Maybe he wants to build one. Stop fondling uh, my gun. Stop fondling my gun? <laughs> unconsensual, yeah, unconsensual fondling. Yeah, he has some rebuilding to do. He had a, gosh, he had a baffle strike in his oh, uh, surefire suppressor. He, he blew through five baffles, and the key holing oh, was so bad. Cool. He had a baffle strike on his surefire muzzle brake. Oh, God. Oh, my. Yeah. yeah, there was a guy in my squad with a mini fourteen that was keyholing at ten yards, but only sometimes. Most of like eighty percent of the holes were pretty round and good, but just every once in a while there's one going like full on sideways. Yeah. Really? But yeah. He, he Yeah, he's it's a stainless Douglas barrel and he said he has thirteen or fourteen thousand rounds through it. I'm like Oh you should get it. Yeah. And I'm like that's, that's a lot for, that's a lot for that's stainless. A lot for yeah, that's a lot for, for any, like normal anything. barrels. Yeah, that's incredible for stainless. stainless. Yeah, and then it was, you need to get a Criterion or a Centurion. Yeah. One thing I really appreciated about Skeetsu's stages was that my stages, the rifle stuff, tends to be too far. Like, some of the range is nice, but there, there should be, like, rifle engagement hits that you need to make, a, a lot of them, in that, like, 50 to 100-yard zone where most rifle engagements happen or at least half of all of them do from like world war ii day i thought it was like it was a very good like, okay like a red dot would kick butt here and that's good because that's like what a red dot is for and it should not be there should be trade-offs like in my opinion like a well-designed two-gun match imposes trade-offs on your choice of firearm in terms of optics in terms of length and one thing that bugs me is that a lot of two-gun matches, mine included, I'm still working on this, is most of the time, there's no downside whatsoever for showing up with a two-and-a-half power to ten, 20-inch, yeah, 20-inch rifle with, an ACOG. with a little red dot, or, yeah, or an ACOG. Big gun, big long scope, big long rifle, and I need to add in some tight quarters to make the shorter rifles work better, and I need to balance my target range profile to make there be trade-offs for picking a red dot or trade-offs for picking a, an LPVO. 
and right now it's mostly just pain if you pick a red dot. There's not too many big advantages. I think you're you tend to be pushing the distance because you can. Yeah. At your at this particular range, we have tons and tons of range on every single bay you can shoot. So yeah. you're doing the thing that you can do that most people can't. Like a lot of ranges are limited in distance. Um, so yeah. Matt, the range that I shot at most recently, the furthest target was 350 yards at most. Whereas most yeah. of the, there's rifle at seven yards. A lot of the rifle targets are at 80. But that's just because that's what the range can do. So Yeah, and I think at a, at a typical match here, all, all the rifle steel usually starts at 100. And then you get most of your rifle steel is between 100 and 275 yards is the densest portion. And then there'll be like between two, one and six required hits that you'll have to make that are beyond 300 yards and inside of 500 yards. The action match being an exception. I try not to go beyond 500 yards at like regular monthly two gun matches. We went to probably 650. My rangefinder didn't work, but it was roughly 650, we think, at the, the action map. Oh, that's a, that's a pretty good poke. Yeah, it was the full was, size uh, at the action map. Yeah, I, I think it was 660. Okay. Because um, it wasn't you. I, I was there for that one, and it wasn't you that ranged it. It was someone else. So yeah. it wasn't a limitation of your rangefinder. Uh, when I like put the target in, I tried to hit my car, which I parked at the shooting position with the rangefinder, but it was too dark. Okay. So yeah. I was like, "What is this? I don't know. It's out here somewhere." And it's about still the, visible. Yeah, the furthest we can go there is about seven fifty eight hundred probably before we start to put the thousand yard range in danger. Yeah, but at that point you're reaching the limits of five five six. Yeah, and there's, if you want to do a DMR match, do a DMR match. Yep. But yeah, I, I do want to keep the, the 300, 500 yard targets, but I, I, I want to shift some of that target density in closer. Have the oh, densest yeah. region for steel be like 45 to 180 yards. Yeah, you definitely need to, at a match that I can make in the future, <laughs> definitely need to, whatever that is. You definitely need to have some close-in paper like Donwood, because I need to shoot my Elkan at 1x more. Yeah. Yeah, I need to do a little more paper stages. Need to bring back the clays. And that, like, 45-yard steel, I think. We can get some disposable steel, beat it up, replace it every year or two years. It'll be fine. Yeah. Just don't. But you need a hefty target stand for when someone shows up with a 308 or a... Yeah. So, speaking of 8mm Mauser, um, I was coming back from work, decided to stop at our local gun store, and saw over on the surplus and bolt action generic little rack in the corner that there is this absolutely beautiful Yugoslavian M48 Mauser. I think the year is like 1952 or 53 or something. Uh, it was like $600. bucks. i am like, oh man, I want it. So I bought it, and I was like, I should shoot it in a two-gun match. And that was a bad thought. So I bought 200 rounds of, I bought some stripper clips off eBay. And I showed up to the two gun match. We have a retro division, which is 
things before Jan 1, 1992. So I had my little Filipino 1911, Rock Island Armory, and I had this Mauser and a Bandolier for stripper clips. And it was, I came in last. I didn't come in last on every stage, but I came in last for the match, except for the guy who DQ'd. And uh, yeah, definitely some lessons learned there. Probably the most the most salient one is don't do that. It, it was fun for the uniqueness of the experience, but probably the if you want to shoot an old thing and still beat somebody, set your floor at something semi-automatic for the rifle. I was planning on shooting an M1 yeah. at the same match that you were, but scheduling didn't work out and I couldn't do it. So I was happy because I knew I wasn't going to be last. I at least had a a semi-auto rifle. Yeah, you can beat up on me. I didn't come in last on the sled drag stage because uh, being able to shoot a spinner outranks the the disadvantage of having a bolt action. Yeah. Um, Some people went to war with the spinner. So I was like 17th out of 27 on that one. Yeah. Um, The match that I recently shot, there were two stages with the rifle spinner and there's a lot of people, or a couple people, shooting M1s, and it mm-hmm. was 30 out six versus 5.56 is a big difference on a spinner. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I, I made like four hits on the spinner, and I had a bunch of misses and a reload in there because I was gassed and just being bad. But it, it went over pretty easily. I was shooting 200 grain, but supposed to be at like 2,600 feet per second or something. The, the other big lesson, if you are going to use a stripper clip loaded rifle, uh, beforehand, I, I kind of knew I should have done this, but I didn't. Go through all your clips, load them up, try load them. The difference between a good clip and a bad clip is night and day. On the bad clips, it's like a, all Mosin clips are bad clips. So if you load clip loaded a Mosin, like, it doesn't get any worse than that. And you just fight with the thing and fight with the thing, and you would be better off single loading. And then on the good clips I had, which is like 40% of them probably, 40-50% of them, you just put it in the clip bridge, push down with your thumb, it just click, and then you ram the bolt forward and the clip, clip pops out, and you're like, oh my goodness, this is a fantastic system. It's not like a magazine, but I was like, okay, if I had done that, I was still probably would have been last, but my life would have been dramatically easier. So if you are going to inflict pain on yourself and shoot a bolt action in retro put an hour or two aside with your snap caps or safe direction or whatever and test all your clips out and mark the good ones and either fix the bad ones or or leave them somewhere else a hammer works for the bad ones that way you can never use them again it's true very barbaric I like it just toss them in the garbage. Or the recycling. Yeah, that's true. Uh, let's see, were there any other lessons or don't do it? Oh, pre-bandage your thumb or wear a glove on your right hand. I took a chunk out of my thumb, pushing the stripper clips in with my thumb. I hadn't done it in practice. I had done a little practice with it, but on the clock, adrenaline's going, you're fighting with the thing, you're going faster you'll cut yourself. Uh, so I bled all over my beautiful gun. 
you're just christening it. Yeah. It needed some blood, right? Yeah, they all do. They bleed on everything eventually. And I guess the other thing is, especially with surplus guns, they are less accurate. Their sights are often off. Allocate more time before the match to get used to it, to fix the sights, that sort of thing, than you would, like, a, a new AR-15 or, you know, a buddy's AR-15. If you have a, a decent AR-15 with a modern optic, you can go zero it in 20 minutes. And if you know what you're doing, you're good, right? And you get click adjustments. The adjustments make sense. They're real. You're almost correct. Yeah. Sometimes with the surplus guns, you can't adjust them. My Mosin's front the, sight. Yeah. My into the ammunition is very different. Yeah. So, I mean, unless you're shooting uh, a 1903 or a 1914 or an M1 with M2 ball that the sights are made for, uh, you should be shooting it in an M1 with M2 ball unless you have a modified gas port or a gas block. But yeah, if you just get random or a random 30 out 6, you have no idea what that's no, going sure. to do with your sights. Yeah, I, I did go get the 200 grain stuff because the war loads were either 196 or 198 grain. So that would get me close. And there's some yep. lighter, like 180 grain stuff, but I have no idea if the velocity was right or not. Yep. And so, the sights are much more difficult to adjust. Like you need some freaking pliers to take off the front sight hood and then a hammer and a punch to drift the front sight. I don't think you can actually do anything about elevation on this gun. I ended up, because I was shooting so low, I ended up setting the rear sight ladder to 400 for the whole match. And, and I died on speedway. Speed. I couldn't get anywhere on speedway. Because uh, I was trying to figure out my holds the whole time. I gave up. I didn't make this match. Did you make this match, Augie? I did not, unfortunately. I had a, I had a preview. When was the last match? It was last Sunday, wasn't it? Or no, it was last, uh, Saturday. last Saturday. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, I had a, an arrangement with, with an individual and stuff. I, I was in the process of getting one of my thousands of dogs new home, so I had to stay put. And then found out that the snow, because we got a pretty good amount of snow out here in in Wenatchee area, and ended up getting postponed. And yeah, it was a whole it was a whole thing that went within itself. And wanted to go though. I wanted to test out my just as good Mark 12, but due to other events, I kind of bite my, bite my freaking, like, yeah, take a rain check. Out the... We we had pretty rough weather up here. Uh, Skeets and I went up to go set up Friday night, and we had our two inches of snow, and it was so foggy, we actually moved some targets in because we couldn't tell if we had the target in front of the right bay or not because oh, we shoot. just couldn't see the bay i had my pvs 14 he had big powerful headlight or you know whatever and we're like okay this t-post we know is in front of bay 10 and is lined up correctly but we have 100 yards visibility 75 yards visibility on the hill and we got lost on the hill trying to set up speedway and we couldn't find the 500 yard t-post for 25 minutes but weather was great for the match Nice. Yeah. No. I spent I spent the large majority of that after that afternoon piling snow, and that was that was fun. Oof. Yeah, we had about like five or six inches out here, and uh, on top of that, like the weather was just like super not cooperating, and 
Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah. But we're supposed to be getting some more snow tomorrow afternoon, which is hilarious because I have to go out into Yakima. And yeah, I'm not really looking forward to that. <clears throat> no. Okay. It is the season. Yeah. Oh. Evan, you should ask Dozer the icebreaker questions, even though it's. Oh, yeah. So we, we, we did an icebreaker at the beginning. For certain points on a map, you can get to them via east or west, right? And it's like, is Japan east or is that west, right? So we're going to take it as our center for our compass point, Kansas. Okay. So the question is what's the furthest you've ever set foot, not just flown <laughs> over, but like actually set foot north, south, east, and west? Okay. So for me, for example, yeah, yeah, just in general. For me, for example, the furthest north and west I've ever been was Fairbanks, Alaska. Holy and moly. This is just for picking, okay, was Europe east or west, right? That's oh, yeah. West of Russia and east of Kansas. Yeah, shoot. Gosh darn, yeah, no, so I think the farthest north that I've been would probably in the continental U.S., aside from Washington, if you're floating hairs there. I, so I lived a brief portion of my life in Wisconsin, which mm-hmm. is funny. And then been down to Georgia. It's, the whole uh, globe counts, though, too. So Georgia's okay. maybe further south? Yeah, a little farther south. I've been to Mexico. So if that, oh, that, that wins. For... Yeah. And then... As far east, probably the whole Latvia area, I think, was... Yeah, that might be furthest okay. north, too. Yeah, because it, it was technically inside the Arctic Circle, so I yeah. it was both the east and north for me. Yeah, I, I don't know. I wish it traveled more. I've been to Hawaii, but that doesn't really... I don't know. That would be the furthest That's south. pretty far. Yeah. Depending on what part of Mexico you went to. Yeah, we go not to kind of where the Baja California little spur thing is. La Paz area. Yeah. In that general area. But that's not really... I think I'm looking at the map right now, and I think Hawaii's actually further south than that. Yep. Yeah, no, I need a... I'd like to travel more and stuff, but... I, I, feel, I still feel as if I need the rental... Like, parental assistance and stuff to travel outside of the continental United States. <laughs> I don't know. It's just a weird thing. I'm like, where are my parents? But I'm out here freaking... Gotta have Uncle Sam watch you. Yeah, it feels weird. I feel very in the need of supervision and stuff. But... One of his misguided children. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah. What, so what were the uh, what were you guys, some of your guys' uh, responses here? Because I, I feel as if I, I didn't really put up too much of a, a yeah. geographic footprint here oh see i was fairbanks for north and west further south is new orleans furthest east is somewhere in maine when i was like three my parents took me there so i don't really leave america it's a cool place very cool place i will say that like i said you can't you got a little bit of everything out here i definitely won out of the group that i travel a lot let's say yeah that's uh, yeah. Almost required. Anyway, live life on the road. Uh, yeah, it was Hawaii, and then Nome, Alaska, 
Barrow, Alaska, and Baltimore, Maryland. There you go. Yeah, I said the same thing. It was Latvia was like her, the farthest east and north for me, and then Georgia was the farthest south I've ever been. Technically, California, San Diego was the farthest south, I think, on the map, if you go by the latitude. Southern Georgia is further south than San Diego is. Oh, yeah, it is, yeah. Oh, really? Oh. That whole area, though, yeah. Columbus, is it's pretty, I want to say... It's probably the same. Probably the no. Yeah, no. Columbus is actually a little bit farther south. I'm looking at the map right here, and uh, brought to you in part by Google Maps. Yeah, no. It's Columbus is looking a little bit more south than good old San Diego. We've had Nancy talk about his L and T project, and everybody's had a topic. Do you want to tell us about this Mach 12 build? What inspired oh. it? What's the build look like? Is it complete? How do you like it? What do you hate about it? Okay, so yeah, so I have definitely drank the Mark 12 Kool-Aid, as previously stated, and actually, I don't know if I've, I think in the group chat, I think I've probably stated a couple times, but yeah, no, it's the Mark 12 Kool-Aid has been drunk, and I am buying it by the Costco container, if that makes any sense. I, so I finished up my Mark, Mark 12 Mod 1, because I know that there's going to be people upset. I didn't really get too clone correct, but clone-ish enough to my likings. No falling in love with it. The ballistics are really cool, even with 55 grain, which is weird. Mm -hmm. I've been getting really consistent stuff and just overall really good recoil impulse, really good optic. I got a can on it finally, got a good stock, and I've been just very ecstatic about it. To the point where I figured there's three more variants that, I, that, they're out, that are out there. So oh, Why not? Yeah, why not go out there and build them all? I'm Is currently... Yeah, so you got the Mod H and then the Mod O. The Mod O is the first, the next one on the chopping block right now. I just got the the swan sleeve upper... I forgot the, the technical name for it and stuff. It's basically the, uh, the, the thing that makes the whole thing rigid for your forearm. It's the... Okay, it's that connecting piece that goes from the rail and the upper receiver to the weird tube handguard. Yes, yeah. correct. And uh, Augie, you, you have a really, you have a really easy option. You just need to go steal Corey's. I thought about that, but then I realized that Corey's a lot better shot than I am, so I probably wouldn't make it that far. <laughs> yeah, as long as it's rifle. <laughs> uh, I guess I, I just got to zig and zag, and then do some barrel roll, okay? <laughs> but no, I. So my biggest, hurt, and I think the reason why I'm obviously because I think it's the, the whole recoil impulse and. It's a cheaper DMR rifle because I. Yeah, it's cheap to shoot, in. which is a big yeah. advantage. Cheap to shoot, and like I said, they it's all on 55 grain stuff, and I'm getting hits at thousand yards and stuff, which is there's no meat and potatoes behind the round, but it's it's getting out there, so I'll take it. It's a love tap. Yeah, exactly, and it's like I said, I for what I'm doing right now, and for what it's for what it's worth, I'm pretty happy with that, and it's just. It's pretty pretty neat. So, what did you pick for an optic? So for the first, the Mark the Mark Twelve Mod One the Night Force that I picked off of a uh, good old Gungus, the two point five to the twenty, the Night Force one. Okay, nice. And then for the second one, I got a uh, Leopold Mark Five uh, four by thirty six that I'm going to go pick up. Okay. 
And, um, yeah, and then I'd like to do one by eight for the other, the Mod H, due to the fact that it's a little bit smaller and I don't really expect on getting too crazy, I guess, with it. But that's here in the near future and stuff. And unfortunately, you don't want to get... smaller and it's only two inches. What's that? You say smaller and it's only two inches. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I guess, yeah. But... I don't know. I'm really just the aesthetics of it as well. It's a really big driving force for me building them, I guess, as well. It's aesthetically pleasing, and then it's physically like just doing what I need for it to do out of a rifle. And I was really tempted, I was really looking forward to going out there and shooting this stuff, this thing, because I got all my dope all figured out, which is another really cool thing, which is unheard of for my shooting, especially any two good matches and stuff two matches because I, I feel as if I kind of I got so excited into going to matches and stuff that I would go shoot in between each match but I would never really sit down and oh dude I need a this is my hold here x y and z no this I was always kind of just shooting by the hip if that makes any sense and, yeah um, by feel for your holds yeah so now that I have uh, actual dope created now that I have actual um, somewhat consistent with my shooting i'm actually really curious to where we're on that if that makes any sense yeah because yeah but well, yeah, so that, i did get a 14 caldwell flashers with oh so we, we can have some longer range stuff my plan is to put is usually put about four on each target for redundancy because they're super cheap they're like 30 bucks a piece oh nice yeah, no, I, I was, like I said, I was a little bummed out that I missed that other DMR match, too, um, yeah. back in July. But, unfortunately, for for the line of work that I am in, unfortunately, this summertime's kind of a doozy getting weekends off and getting scheduling yeah. to cover. And, yeah, yeah, we, so we don't have one scheduled for this year, but DMR matches will come back at some point. I just need to find a way, like, probably the Caldwell Flashers will help with that. The last mm -hmm. one, like, Grant and I were hiking those like giant MGM flashers with the big heavy crossbar and the four legs and stuff. Just, you know, we're, we're hiking those out there by hand, right? And we clocked probably, I don't know, 15 or 20 miles doing all the setup. Jeez. I'm telling you, man, we can get a chop saw on that little Subaru and hit some bigger tires. Um, and... <laughs> what, what did my Subaru ever do to you for all these threats? I love my Subaru. I love you Subaru. My second mind cruiser. Oh, there you go. <sighs> Has three rows. The Forester running is what I gotta do. I can fit all the kids in it. It's true. Oh, we have a minivan now for for all the kids. The Mach Twelve is Augie's next build. What is everyone else's next build or plans? Oh, that's a good question. Have in the future. So why don't we start? With I just Corey? finished mine. So. A next build in progress. I don't have a next build in progress because oh, I. That's why I made yeah, you. Do you I, have your? Do you, did you get your muzzle device? Yeah. Okay. I Last so, picture I saw, it was still Stan's muzzle device. Yeah. So Pat from work, he got the 30 cal YHM suppressor for his gun, but it came with the 5/8 by 24 muzzle device. Mm-hmm. So when I got my can today, I just switched him muzzle devices since I need the 5.8s and he needs my half inch. So we just did a uh, trade. So I got the, my suppressor mounted on the new gun and it's all ready to go. 
Dude, congratulations, by the way. I, I finished that today, and I am <laughs> ecstatic to go shoot it tomorrow. Yeah. But not only that, but congratulations on your can too, dude. But that's heck yeah. That was today, right? Or my I feel as if all these days are melding together. That was you got your can today. Or am I just am I on one here? Yeah, I've just been hoarding these parts for. Well, I panic bought a lot of it last spring when shit was going down, and just been holding on to it and that weird saying if you build it they will come i was just <laughs> yeah i was able to get the l can and that was like one of the final pieces and then that was like the last bit that was like i guess i can just throw it together and just have it as a decoration piece for the office and yeah no it was <laughs> put everything together and it was like a, i got the approval friday but i had the gun together thursday night or no wednesday night when we talked and yeah Cool. Yeah, I still have a like in pieces, fourteen five upper. I need to put together from the before time when I can buy parts. Dang. So, what's the general outlines of the build? What were you going for? <laughs> so there was a oh god damn it! There was a FFL down in Florida that was selling mega receiver sets for half off for Washington State residents because the impending ban that we had. Okay. So, yeah, I bought a re hit the billet receiver set. I don't know which model. I just know it's a billet model and not the forged variant. And it was uh, 250 and they're originally 500 Okay, and nice. It's, yeah, it's all ambi, which another reason why I wanted it. And then Talos had the URX4. <laughs> and I just thought it looked cool. And got lucky and was able to get the 11 and a half inch Alpine research barrel. Mm -hmm. And that's what kind of, after seeing Scott's build and then Augie having one as well, Scott has the CAC at home and then Augie has the actual CAC CQB. So mm -hmm. I've just been mismatching the names together. It's the CAC FCD CQB at home. Yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> any part that I could get in FCD, I did. So For our listeners who are more in my camp on the PSA than the uh, KAC, the URX4 is the handguard for Knight's Armament Company, for one of them. Yes, and it's. I just got it because of the look. It wasn't really any other reason. I didn't know if there was a benefit to it or not, other than the fact that it is a... The barrel nut is the is integrated into the handguard itself. It's not two separate mm -hmm. pieces. It's one long piece. So I how guess is the that one timed? Hmm? Retarded. <laughs> uh, so I had to get the, obviously, get the barrel put in. It's a thermal fit upper. Heated up the upper, shoved the barrel in, got it to where I wanted it, and then started playing around with the mounter with five different shims that came with the URX. You know, just more or less you, they give you a gauge, like a, more or less like a face of a clock in a sense, and they tell you like, okay, if it hits this area, you put the, this stack of shims in to correct the, to correct it to get to what it needs to be at this number. So then when you do the final torque, the, it should be in between 60 to 70 foot-pounds at the final torque if you did the shim packing correctly. It 
I had to throw away, or I couldn't go after that gauge that they sent with me. I had to play around with shims, trying to get the right stack, because I went off what their recommendation was for where the handguard ended up at, and it was... I would only get a little bit of movement for tightening before yeah. I actually achieved Fallen Torque, and I didn't... I don't really want to go past 70 foot-pounds. Yeah, so, that's fair. Do it. Yeah. Yeah, I... Ah, <laughs> I'm good. When I I've... I, with the surefire shim stacks, I've always found that the guide gets you close, but it's not quite there. And you follow yeah. the guide, and then you're like, okay, now we leave the guide behind and fiddle with it. It's close. It's close. Speaking of surefire, I actually stopped at Talos today. They're, they're able to get my polonium kind of sorted out, so they're going to be taking it over, which is cool. Other anyway. than a journalist remover, what's a polonium? Sorry, I am a Otter Creek Lab fanboy, mostly because I've been following the owner, Andrew King, since his gum memeing days, and that was back in like 2018, mm-hmm. where he just had a couple of Instagram accounts that were just mostly set up to bully the gun manufacturers and calling them out on some of their bullshit that they were doing. And lo and behold, he was able to actually start a suppressor company, and um, his first suppressor, the Polonium, went on or it went to testing with Pew Science, and it was doing one of the at the time for the price per performance, it was at top of the charts compared to other manufacturers for the cans that were in the same price range, and as was also punching above its class compared to other manufacturers for the performance that you can get out of the can compared to others that are twice the price. Nice. I feel like I should break in at this point and say that the We Belong in Tanks podcasts jokes about polonium and journalists do not constitute an endorsement of Vladimir (laughs) Putin. It's just a joke. (laughs) With current state affairs. Nor do we endorse any former Soviet dictator. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah was, Stalin. I was sadly born record. too late to become a former Soviet dictator. Would have been an interesting career path, though. <laughs> You're good. Uh, yeah, really I good am, benefits. On my drive up here, I was uh, just about finished with uh, The White Pill by Michael Malice. It's a history of communism. That's a wonderful book. Anyone wants to read it or listen to it? It's very interesting that you're listening to Michael Malice. I love Michael Malice. How anarchist of you. <laughs> I have an icebreaker for next time now that I've, I've thought of. But it's okay, we've got Corey's next build. We've got Augie's next build. Nancy, what's your next Nancy. build? My next build, my next gun purchase is I'm going to get a Langton Tactical LTT Elite RDO. Ever since a friend of ours got one, it was right about the time that I met all of y'all. Gungus got one, and I thought it was ridiculous to spend fifteen hundred dollars on a handgun. Mm-hmm. And then I shot his, and I'm like, "Oh, this is so nice. I really want one, but I can't afford one." And then you got one, yep. and I'm so now I'm gonna get one. I'm gonna order it next next month, and or in a couple weeks. I might even order it in a week. I have to see how the what the backlog is on it. But yeah, 
interesting thing of note is none of us agree on ARs at all for anything. There's some generally agreed things like I own an LMT, Grant owns a lot of LMTs, you own an LMT upper. I no don't. barrel in it presently. It's just there, yeah. looking sad. Yeah, CAC, like CACs are cool, but I don't. Do I want one? Sure. Do I want to pay for it? No. But at least Grant has CACs. You have a CAC. Corey has, or not Corey, he has a CAC. But the Langdon is the one thing that the three of us agree upon. So I will soon own one. Yeah. And, we'll have uh, to do a Langdon podcast six months after you get it. Yeah, I think we will. Um, we can be chill. Then again, like. I've shot my VP9 at matches for in the current state with the comp and the dot for I don't know over the last year and a half, and I've shot it at every match that I've shot at, and I've gotten really good at it, really good with mm-hmm. it. Going to a and you've improved a lot again. with the improved I, a lot with the still since you started shooting too. I yeah, that has been my number one thing, and I got good by putting some time in, but I also got improved a lot getting a a Ruger Mark IV that I have. It's a race gun. That is really fun. All right, um, so it's Langdon. Light, Langdon. Holster, and Optic. What are you going for? So the Light is going to be a Surefire X300B, or X300UB. The Holster will be the, as supply or as sold on Langdon's website, the US, I think it's like US gear or US holster gear. So it'll be a hood. Or it'll have a hood for retention. You can't really do an ALS-style holster. A Safari Island ALS doesn't work on a Beretta with how the barrel f- and and not having a, a hood over the um, barrel on like a normal Browning action pistol. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the optic, uh, I have a 507C ACSS. I have two of those. I bought a third one secondhand. I will probably throw that on. It's currently on my LCAN. I will probably throw that on Langdon. And I may or may not try a... Or I do want to try a a 3.5 MOA um, Type 2 LED RMR. I have not shot those at all. I've only shot the Holosun ACSS. I think I I do want to try just a straight dot and try to train myself on that. But So thinking that... I'm going to get the holster wrapped. I have not decided if I'm going to stick with the standard Rager Green if I'm going to do something else that's cool. But, uh, I would and... recommend Coyote. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's either going to be a, a U.S. Woodland M81, God's Plaid, or Ranger Green. But the problem is Santa's everything plaid, else that too. I have. Santa's Plaid, okay, that's good. Um, but the problem is everything else that I have is in Ranger Green. I want yeah. to stick with the trend, but I also want it to be cool. And then the next AR that I'm going to build, there's lots of things in my head that I would really like. I really want to do an A2 clone, uh, just because I like A2s. But that's like the reasonable thing. But then I'm also like, I already have a 20-inch gun. I don't need that right away. So I think I'm going to start occurring parts for the an LMT L129A1-ish clone, 308 MWS. They're not called MWSs anymore. But uh, that'll be uh, my DMR gun. And we'll build it to be like a 90% clone, but not perfect. Still going to have the... Optic choice? Optic choice is... There's going to be the clone build, which will be a T, an ACOG a TA648. So the 6 power, 6 by 48 power ACOG with an armor on top. The chunk, yeah, it is ginormous. So I'm going to get one of those. I might even just buy one 
sooner rather than later because I want to try it on my LSW build because mm -hmm. I have not figured out what optic is going to go on that other than an LCAN or an ACOG. And then for the actual optic that we can swap it in probably for a 6.5 barrel with the MWS is to be determined. It's so far out that who knows what's going to be good when I get there, probably the end of 24, the beginning of 25, because there's some other things that I want to spend my money on next year. But I do yeah. want to at least get the, I do at least want to get the receiver set for the MWS because those are hard to come by. Yeah, my next project's probably a little ways off, but either way, it'll be in a, assembling stuff from what I've got lying around. I have a PSA AK-105 pistol that I really enjoyed. So I might what? get that. What? Oh, no, sorry. What, what length barrel for your... I think it's a 12-inch barrel. Oh, wow. Uh, it shoots 5.45. Nice. It's fun. I enjoy it. Spinners are a touch rough. The good news is when you're shooting paper, you can always tell which rounds are yours. They're Not that one. Sideways. The 105 doesn't keyhole. The 74 keyhole. The 105 is perfect. Well, at least for not keyholing, there's other things that are wrong with it. But... What else is wrong with it? I don't know. I just don't... I don't know. Well, you have... Don't you have three PSA AKs? Or is it two? I think it's five. Wow. Okay. That's why I can't remember, because you have too many That's 100% fair. I have a GB2 from back in the billet days. That's Iron Sights, Redwood. I have a GF3 that I panic bought when I didn't think that the AK-103, which is the one I wanted, would come out in time. And that one's fine. There's nothing really wrong with that. I have a PSA AK-103 with the FN barrel that I really love. It did have the firing pin problem. It's, it seems to be fixed now. And it has a bizarre fitment issue with the ALG trigger where the hammer like bumps into the disconnector and fakes like a Geisley trigger. So it, it has a wall. It's the only AK I've ever run into that has a wall, which is, I enjoy. But it is due to a QC issue. So maybe it shouldn't get full credit. I have a PSA AK-74, which has given me no end of trouble. It seems to be working now. And I have a PSA AK-105 pistol, which seems it's been fine. I think you need to put that in a briefcase. It's possible. Eastern Bloc MP5 briefcase. Yeah. <laughs> Yugoslavian, yeah, same equivalent. Or, yeah. yeah. Well, That's cool. Yeah. And I wish you would have Oh, sorry. Keep going. I was going to say, with the brace injunctions, I have a Jackal 10.5 kit but from, like, the before times. That maybe it's time to actually assemble that, because I can have it with a brace before I have to file a stamp for it. That's but good. We'll we'll like, I don't know. We'll make barrels on that little thing. That's a 10.5. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Sorry. Yeah, I was always curious about those because I remember I, back when when shopping on Brownells was a thing, I would always see those things pop up. Yeah, I wonder if those things are worth a damn. Too late now. Yeah, I don't know. I, it looks fun. Uh, I, think, I, I wouldn't take it too seriously, but it would be fun. 
I think you need to get a paint marker and just write chopper on it. Or chapa. For the vibes. Yes. Or I, I identify as a Draco. There you go. Yeah, I wish I would have got into AKs a lot earlier than I did. I got a couple stamped receivers that I don't know where I'm... I don't really know anything about anything when it comes to AKs, and I think that would be pretty cool episode. The whole in-depth European persuasions we formerly know as AKs and stuff. Like yeah, I, I, I AKs would be a fun episode. Have everybody talk about the ones that they have, discuss how they're inferior to AR-15s, etc. I, I do I, like how that, they feel. I'm sorry? Uh, it's just that everyone will need to get some White Claws that's true. White, white claw white. penetration tests. It's tradition. Yep. That's going to have to be off the range, unfortunately, but yeah. Yeah, that's true. Prison rules, Small yeah. Small stipulation. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, wait. We actually know a range that will accept us to shoot white claws. Never mind. So you guys Hoggies. are. Yeah, I was about to say, if you, guys are, <laughs> if you guys can make it down here. We, like I said, we can do hood rat stuff a plentiful. The only, yeah, the only only caveat is that we have fun and bring a fire extinguisher <laughs> and yes, and bring a fire extinguisher. Yes, yeah. I have two or, in my truck or, now. So I am more <laughs> prepared because of that incident, <laughs> which the listeners will never hear about. It's the uh, we're, still we're, haven't we're, talked about it. Yeah, we're. I, I think we're still keeping okay. on to the whole dangling the carrot thing so we yeah this thing is yeah it was a good day it might be there someday you don't know but yeah no it's like i said i i feel as if there's a little more art to uh building an ak i think that's why i got so yeah, drawn definitely. to them so lately because i'm not saying i'm like a master ar builder but i feel as if i come my way around it to the point where it won't freaking blow up and it'll chamber and it'll cycle it will cycle properly enough but AK like AK stuff like just barely dipping my toes in there is like freaking like all the rivets and stuff and all the other stuff that you have to do while you're setting those and if you mess up a rivet you have to drill it out and all this and that I'm like, Dude, that's cool and then once you're done once you're all said and done then you have this super resilient very iconic firearm that will pretty much stand the test of time and shoot 762 by 39 or 545 or whatever other crazy calibers go into in the near future yeah one of my assault weapon ban and magazine band regrets is not getting either an ak-101 or an ak-102 in 556 but and i, I really should have known too because the writing was on the wall about this this war in eastern europe here at the war in ukraine i should have figured out that one was coming and gotten a, a 556 ak so i could still scratch the ak itch well well, bad things are happening in Ukraine. And then you have only me. one of us that benefits. Oh, like me, the only AK that I want is a Tabuk sniper, just because it's freaking weird. You should tell yeah. us about the Tabuk sniper. You know, I have no idea. What I, I've heard of it, but yeah, Corey hasn't. So you got to tell Corey. What is it? Forgotten Weapons has a video on it. Bartachi has a video on it. But it was a so the Iraqis. Factories from Serbia, AK like AK machinery on how to produce AKs. They just bought it from Serbia, and they made you know their standard pattern 
rifle, which was you know around a 16-inch barrel, like all standard AKs are, and they were called to books. And then they also made a DMR version, which I think has like a 22-inch barrel for 7.62 by 39. And there's a, a lot of people in the GWAT in the Second Iraq War. Um, they had to deal with these, or were finding these uh, Iraqi-made rifles. And there was a company, I think it was somewhere, I don't remember what state they're in, but it was the Three Rivers Armory for reproducing them here in the States. And I don't know if they're still around anymore. I haven't looked in a while because I can get off of it, but it's a long-barreled AK, and, and it's not it's an like RPK. 24-inch, right? Oh, wow. Something like that. It's it's stupid long, especially yeah. for the cartridge. But I want one because it's weird, and no one else ha- like no one else that I know has one and is going to get one. And if I'm going to get an AK, it needs to be weird. I want to get one of those. And then for the 539 itch, I'm like, I'm just going to get a CMMG Mutant or 47, and have my AR that takes AK mags and is overbuilt, doesn't have a bolt that's going to break, and then I could shoot what was once cheap ammo. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, 5.56 five, yeah. is almost the cheap ammo. Yeah. I don't know, I'd have so, to check. And then, for a while, I was planning on getting a Lashnikov USA AK-103 that they have wishy-washy on their quality control. And I was going to get it for the sole reason make fun of you for all of your PSAs so that you would then buy it for me so I wouldn't need to own it anymore. Oh. <laughs> a long con, I see. I, yeah. I would have stuck with the PSAs out of spite. Yeah, but that's not happening anymore, or at least not right now. Yeah, I so. need to bring out my... I, I have another AK. I do have one non-PSA AK. as my very first AK. I bought it off of Scott for 300 bucks, actually. It's a Bulgarian parts kit, AK-74, from back when they were cheap. American receiver and American barrel. The barrel is terrible. It doesn't have a side rail, so it's not great, but it's fun. I I think if we're going to do a video or an episode or anything like that on AKs, it should just be titled Dirt Shooters Nationals and just mag dump into trash. That'd be very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, especially as is one of his uh, Zenicode Arsenal ones that has zero recoil. Yeah. All right, I'm probably gonna drop off here. Uh, I gotta get That's ready fair. for tomorrow. Kind of late. Thank you for having me on, though. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for being the host. <laughs> Sorry. No, I don't get, apologize. We, we all need to get Corey to talk more. This is, this is his podcast. I feel, uh, I feel like we need to get Augie to talk more. That sounds like deflection. Augie talks more than you. Ooh. Don't let him distract you guys. Make Corey talk. <laughs> Rapid fire question. I, I guess, but I don't... Uh, it's a... It's not mine. It's ours. It's... Augie's in mine podcast, but God damn it, I don't even know how to go after that now. I talk too much. That's how to follow it up. No, Kevin no. talks too much and should talk less. You asked the yeah, you, questions. Exactly. You got that journalism perspective and stuff that we I really appreciate because I when I that's one thing I've noticed and stuff, like when I, I just hang out with you guys and stuff, I'm always like in shock and awe. I'm like, damn, dude, like I never thought about that. And then 
here you are accustomed to world and they said you're very very flu very fluent with your questions and stuff very flowy thank you i know that was a compliment but i will never recover from being called a journalist <laughs> you know what to look for and you know what to ask and i mean like i said you're very knowledgeable when it comes to all like, like all things that psa aks and all things buildings <laughs> i'm very familiar I... with psa's warranty program <laughs> it's a great warranty program yeah, and there's only like a forty percent chance you'll need it on any given AK. But the chance, yeah, the chances of, or yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's okay because I'm going to draw all the controversy. You should not be treating your AK as a serious fighting rifle. For a vibe and for that's going to hurt some people. Yeah, yeah look, sure, <laughs> if you live in Russia or whatever, but you don't. You live in America. You have access to nice AR-15s. You can spend five thousand dollars on black market Seneca parts to make your Arsenal AK-74 shoot about as well as a, a stock M4. Or you could spend that money on an AR-15 and get a vastly superior firearm. Damn. And it will be just... more reliable. Facts. Yes. Big facts. Yeah, we get past the two-hour mark, and I start trying to cause fights. <laughs> Not the same, Kevin. No, you're fine. I have an good idea job, for... Bob. You have a good night. Yep, thank you, Kevin, once again. Like I said, really appreciate your input, man. You have yourself a good rest of the afternoon, or sorry, evening, night. And, uh, yeah, stand by for the next one. Damn. And that was Kevin. That was like the exit of a fucking champion. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I have well, some idea or I have some ideas of what we could do regarding me for a future episode. Yes. Yes. Go ahead. So at least me and the group, I'm definitely the nylon guy. There are people that know more about guns than me. Exactly. Like Gungus knows lots of intricacies you're curious about PSA AKs there's Kevin but I'm definitely the guy that's into nylon gear the most so we could uh... as I can tell the difference between AOR1 and Desert Marpat or Desert Cart Catpat all three of them are yep I know that and I still want to get a Desert Catpat or Catpat Arid set I think that stuff looks really cool just I didn't even know that was a thing. I was just making a joke because Marine stole the cat, the Cadpat design, <laughs> or the Marpat came from Cadpat. The Canadians set the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, the Canadians came up with it, but Marines didn't want to pay for it and just stole it and then renamed it. Hell yep. yeah! <laughs> Did you introduce that, uh, some, like American Eagle noises? Ah, fuck! I'll I'll have to remember <laughs> that again. <laughs> uh, time stamped. Oh wow. But no, I think in the future we could do uh, like a intro or like setting up your gun belt. Uh, that'd be pretty simple. Oh, that's a good question. Cause, yeah. Yeah, cause, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I've just shot at the matches and I've only gone through four different belt setups myself. But, uh, but yeah, we could definitely do an entry level and an advanced or the pores build. Maybe not the pores build. Like the you're spending 
price to performance for a belt setup and then the Gucci belt setup. We could talk about that uh, in a future episode. And then sort of the same thing with my tan LMT, how it's the build is never over. Um, that's how my uh, Cry AVS is. Uh, on was doing a fair amount of driving recently, and just there's a problem that I want to fix with it because I just got something else. It's got some side armor for it, and now I have to rethink my whole cummerbund and really wish that there was this one company that was making this one product still, and it would solve everything, but they don't. So now I need to rethink how I'm going to finish my AVS. At least that's for the time the being. Yeah, because that's the one complaint I have with my AVS. The harness makes cummerbund awkward. Yeah, but then again, if, the harness is amazing. I love, yeah. And, oh, speaking of which, the last two-gun that we just did, I I might have put too much tension on one, the that bungee cord on the back end of it, and I ripped a hanger out. Ripped a hanger out? normal? Yeah, like one of the little eyelets that the bungee cord kind of weaves through. That is not normal. Oh. Uh, That's awkward. Well, well, I don't know. I'd have to take a look or you can send me a picture. But... Okay. Yeah, because I, I, I got new bungee cord because I cut off the excess and then I tried to like reweave it differently and it was too short. I'll reweave it with this new bungee cord and let you see what you think. You can definitely send me some pictures. It's been a while since I've had mine apart, but... Yeah, because bending over, especially when... What happened was, like, when I was pulling that sled up, I felt... I've been hearing, like, a random pop in my harness for a while, and I just haven't really paid attention to it because everything was still tight. And then when we're moving that sled up the hill, that's when I felt like a pop, and then my harness kind of went limp. Huh. And then my shoulders was carrying a lot more weight. Yeah, no, we'll have to take a we'll have to take a look at that. Yeah, so. it's the only downside so far. Okay. Yeah, to me, the only downside of it, we don't need to talk about all of it tonight. Um, but the biggest downside about the AVS is the bulk of trying to transport it. Um, there's much more compact plate carriers out there. Uh, once you get it on, it's amazing. I love it. Um, so it's uh, not cheap, but it's also very nice. And uh, it carries the weight super well, so you don't get like you normally do. Yeah, because that's the biggest... That was one of the reasons why I jumped from a LV119 to the AVS, because I couldn't... I can only wear the LV-119 for a couple of hours. Well, a good bit of the day I could wear it and not have any problems, but like, taking it off, my shoulders would be dying. I could f They'd be sore as fuck just because of the amount of weight that... <clears throat> the carrier doesn't really support weight that well, and no. I was probably trying to make it do something that it wasn't really designed to do. It's not designed to do carry weight yep. with, like, level 4 plates... A fucking a um, I have the micro chest rig on the front of it, and it's a little thick for that still. Even though I had only three megs in it and a couple like random uh, items in the front pocket that uh, I got the zipper from Axel. So, yeah, it just one of the reasons why I went <clears throat> with the, with the AVS. I can wear it all day and not have any shoulder issues whatsoever. Yep. the The moral of the story when it comes to play carriers is. 
or one of them at least, is don't buy a, a little tiny slick micro play carrier and then throw a bunch of junk on it. You should probably buy a play carrier that's big and or if you want to throw a bunch of weight on it, buy one that can carry the weight rather than something tiny and overloading it. So you're saying not to buy an AC1? <laughs> Uh, if, <laughs> if your goal is to just carry some plates and maybe put your plates in and have it be under your under a jacket, then an AC1 is pretty good for that. Same thing when the Ferro Concept Slickster or the LV119 were popular back in the days. They're really good if you're trying to conceal it or have something be lower yeah. profile. Because the... That actually would happen. That actually happened to one of the guys I work with. He bought the AC one, was trying to run it for a bit, and then like just the little that he worn it, it was he couldn't deal with it. It was not comfortable for him, and he's a bigger guy, and he was having issues with the even with having the Hesco two tens in it. It was killing him, so he got the Fiero Concepts FC PC five. Mm-hmm. He's liked it so far. Other than I don't, I wish you would fucking randomly would meet up, or that Dakota kid would randomly show up when you're at the match. He's like very hit or miss, but he was the one that has or no, I think last time he said he had seven home built FCPC fives. Oh, this is the guy over, or where is it? Near Moxie, he right? He is was he's currently at going to college at Central Washington University. Okay. It's like Soros Soros something, I believe is what his company or his brand that he has. Okay. Yeah, I'll need to I'll need to meet him because if he can make this part that I want for an AVS, then it would be it would make my life so much easier. Cuz I asked him if he could I bought the the Cumberbund for the FCPC5 Zach the same shit that me and Augie's belts are. Uh, the Tigris. The Tigris with the holes. Yeah. yeah. I bought that and I asked him if like he could modify it so it could be actually woven into or be yeah, woven into the rear plate bag of the ABS. Okay. Still waiting on the still waiting on a price, but I'm yeah. interested in that. Okay. Yeah, well definitely we can do it off the air or over text. We can definitely talk about what you want your ABS to be. God damn it, that's the, a good one. Yeah, no, we'll, yeah. Have, to, we'll, we'll have to do another one about yeah, gear. But anyway, but for all the all good. the yeah, for all the listeners out there, you should just go buy an AVS and then you'll be very happy. Except when you look at your wallet. So <laughs> it's the literal definition of cry once, buy once. Yes. Cry once, buy once. Irony is it's by cry. <laughs> yeah, cry precision. But I think We'll call it a night as well. It was nice chatting with y'all. I'm sure I will be back. I'll provide Corey with a full build list for my tan LMT. So if anyone wants to go and clone it out there, you can have your own Skytism LMT out there. Yes. Yeah. Um, we'll just throw it up on Instagram on under Orcaset. Yeah. Yeah, I'll definitely get some pictures for you. Sick. Cool. Well, anyway, if that's all, then yeah, we'll just call it. We'll call it right there. Thank you again for 
having a chat with us, going over some little details here and there, and I'm actually kind of kind of excited to see go down the gear rabbit hole with you because it's not my forte whatsoever. Obviously, it's yours. Yep. Why you have the title? Yeah, everyone has. Everyone in the group has gotten a little piece of me on their kit from you telling them you should go buy this or this will solve that problem. Or especially Kevin is no longer freezing cold when he's out setting up steel. Is thanked me for him now being warm. And for those of you that have never seen Kevin, Kevin does not need a a, a sappy plate. He could get along with just having a side plate and walking sideways. That's how Steve is. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. Not wrong. So, anyway, I hope for all the cool. listeners, if you've made it this far, I hope everyone has a, a good day, and we'll talk to you all next time. Awesome. Yeah. With that, you can reach me and Augie on Instagram. Mine's Gunyer 2.0 and Augie's. The Augman and or the Orca Set Actual, which is the actual one. Cool. We'll see you guys next time. All right. Thank you, guys.